0: My renegades, welcome back to Rogue Radio. My name is Sarah Jane. Today we're going to be having another Persecution Press segment. I feel like it did really good the first episode, so we're gonna go start another one. So stay tuned. Any comments, questions, or concerns? As always, you can reach me on Instagram at Rogue Radio 4, Rogue Radio 4 on Twitter, and Rogue Radio all caps on YouTube. See you there. A shout out to the people listening in the Philippines. I am so grateful and so happy that you have decided to join the Renegade family, and uh, I hope that you continue to listen. Love you very much. God bless you. Now, today, I actually found a new segment on persecution in the philippines and i feel like it's only fair to talk about that one first just because for one philippines is the new country that is listening and um i want to be able to start doing some new segments from the countries that are listening Um, some of them may have new segments from last year 2021 is just starting to happen, and um, some of them may not. So if you have been left out, I'm terribly sorry. And like I said, if there is something that's going on in your country that you want to um, notify my listeners about, you are more than welcome to talk to me on my platforms on Instagram and Twitter and even YouTube. Thank you very much. Anyway, let's get into this story in the Philippines. Okay, this, um, this article comes from persecution.org and uh, it says Philippine priest targeted for helping indigenous people international Christian concern a Catholic priest has been targeted by the Philippine military for helping Lumads uh, the indigenous people who often fall victim to land grabbing and extrajudicial killings by the government According to UCA News, Father Raymond Montero Ambray of Tandang Diocese said he came across Facebook posts on May 10th with the picture labeling him as a priest bringer of evil. The Lumads were the largest indigenous group in the Philippines. They live in Mindanao. If I... I'm pretty sure I botched that name, I'm sorry, um in the South, and are often accused by the military harboring and supporting communist insurgents uh, This smear campaign against Father Ambre attempts to falsely uh, brand him as an active supporter of communist labels, so apparently there's a either a communist government in Philippines this is what I'm trying to figure out myself because I'm not familiar with the government in the Philippines yet but this is how my mind is gonna work for a minute either there is a communism going on or there's rumors of communism somewhere or that there are a group of communists that want to maybe take over uh, parts of the Philippines. I'm not com- completely sure. Um, Father Ambre, uh teaching the Lumads about their rights to set out in the Indigenous People's Rights of uh, Act of 1997 which aims to protect their claim to ancestral domains or ethnic lands. Okay. That's interesting because like if they're, so basically it's an inherited land uh, this uh, Indigenous People's Rights Act, which aims to protect their claim to ancestral domains or ethnic lands. The law says that no Indigenous people can be relocated without their consent. So the people who are tied to that land ancestrally uh, through a bloodline that is, they, they like inherited that land through whatever family bloodline that they have, they have that right through blood to stay there in that land. That's incredible. That's kind of prophetic. I like that. Uh, I like that they have that right. Um, that's really cool. In a social media post, Father Ambray said the educational or the education I equip them with is so they can assert their rights the help that I am offering them it <clears throat> is small uh, when compared to the enormous scale of their fight, yet I am being accused of being an influencer or manipulator of them." Um, so he's basically being accused of manipulating the ig- indigenous people by telling them what rights they have to the land. So basically, according to this article, it seems as if the people who are writing this Facebook post saying that he's a communist and all of that don't like the fact that he's actually giving these villagers and these people um, information on their actual rights, so that they don't get taken advantage of um his efforts according to him were not political but theological in nature as a priest i consider it my duty to bring the integral salvation brought or bought by christ on the cross among lumads it means leading them to their full potential as people or persons It means dialoguing them uh, or learning from them, he said. He believes that the Philippines military is behind the smear campaign on social media. Makes sense. Uh, They are trying to besmirch my work as ideological and reduce my apostolate with the Lumads as a front of C.C. Or C-P-P-N-P-A, Communist Rebels, he added. That's, uh, the news for the Philippines. Um, I really hope that, um, everything works out for Pastor Ambre, is that his name? I'm very tired, I'm really sorry, I'm doing this at, like, midnight. I really wanted to get something out because it hasn't been, I haven't been doing much. Yeah, his name is Ambre. I haven't posted in a while, so, um, yeah, I hope that he continues to do God's work in the Philippines and that he's able to inform the Lumad's of their rights. That is really cool, what he's doing. actually done a big story on Russia at all lately because I've been trying to figure out what I can cover in Russia. Um, But I did find an article on um, persecution.com about uh, something uh, in Russia. So we're gonna um, look at that. So, give me a minute. Armenia-Azerbaijan meeting in Moscow leaves unanswered questions. This happened, uh, actually not too long ago, the 15th of this month of January. International Christian concern. This week, the prime ministers of Armenia and Azerbaijan, uh, met in Moscow with quest- with Russian President Vladimir Putin to discuss the peace agreement between the two countries following their brief war last fall. I was not aware that there was even a war going on last year. Um, Although, Azerbaijani President Ilham Aliyev Uh, expressed optimism about the compliance with the peace agreement signed in November. Armenian Prime Minister Nikol Nikol, um, Pashinyan expressed his concern regarding several unresolved issues that remain for Armenia. The issue at the forefront of many Armenians' minds is continued detention of Armenian soldiers captured by Azerbaijan during the war Despite requests from the European Court of Human Rights Azerbaijan has not released the identities nor information on the quantity of Armenian prisoners of war uh, That it still holds additionally there is mounting evidence that Azerbaijani soldiers have abused and tortured Armenian um, prisoners of war in direct violation of international law. Uh, the continued detention and reported abuse of Armenian prisoners of war um, speaks to the deep hatred that is present throughout this conflict. The oldest Christian nation of Armenia has long been threatened by Turkish aggression. Dating back to the takeover of the Ottoman Empire, ethnic Armenians have been continually targeted by the rise of Islamic Turkish nationalism in the region. The Turkish-backed attack on Armenia in September and the brutality that followed are a manifestation of its long history of animosity towards ethnic Armenian Christians. Uh, As part of the peace agreement, Russia um, has served as a peacekeeper between the two sides. Overseeing the implementation of the agreement, 2,000 Russian troops have been deployed to Nagorno-Karabakh, Armenian arched... I can't Pronounce it. I'm sorry. To ensure that hostilities have uh, between Armenia and Azerbaijan uh, do not start back up, it is expected that Russian presence in the Caucasus will continue to grow, potentially countering the presence of Turkey. As a close ally of Azerbaijan, so I I understand what's going on now. Um, so Azerbaijan and I don't know I don't even know if I'm um, pronouncing that name right. And Armenia are at head head to head, um, and basically they I think have each other's prisoners of war. I think it's just Azerbaijan at the moment that have. Prisoners of war from last year's war, which I didn't, I never even heard of. That's crazy. Um, And they won't even disclose, like, how many prisoners they have taken. And since all of this has been kind of like smoothed over, they made peace, the war is over, they still want to hold that grudge and keep um, the prisoners, um, tortured and captured, uh, from their home, and I don't find that at all okay, um, that's, that just kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth, like, how can you make a peace treaty, and how can you be at peace, and end a war, but still hold a grudge, and keep prisoners from another country. I I don't know how war works. I don't understand it. I don't think we need it, and I really hope that this peace does last, and I hope Russia is able to make it last for them. Okay, the next one is about a guy named Charles from Kenya, and it looks like it's in story form, so I'm guessing this may be a testimony or just a story of faith. So, uh, we're gonna read it anyways. Following Jesus no matter the cost. International Christian concern, of course, because that's the, the source that they use all the time. Um, Charles woke up in disorienting darkness to a throbbing pain splintering through his entire body the chatter from his father uncles and imam were a muted whisper coming from beyond a locked door fragmented memories of an exorcism name calling and the crack of a whip brought back the horrific experience his family had put him through only hours before oh my god Um, But one hopeful thought drowned out the fear. If he were to die, he would be in heaven with his God. After two days of captivity and torture at the hands of his own family, Charles was free, but life would never be the same. Charles was raised in his early years as (laughs) a... Charles was raised... In his early years, by Christian parents who were killed in a car crash, he was then adopted by Ilhar Mudassir, and a a wealthy and dedicated Muslim, originally from Saudi Arabia. By fifteen, Charles had memorized the entire Quran. Later, he traveled from Kenya to Iran to uh, further his studies in Islam. But he but when he returned home in 2014, he met a missionary named Robbie who was determined to share the gospel with Charles. Charles was determined to convert Robbie to Islam and and this made his father proud. But as the Lord softened Charles's heart, his foundation in Islam began to crack. In his analysts. Uh, or his analysis of the Bible, excuse me, um, and Islamic tests, he found that only the Bible clearly outlined the way for him to get to paradise. John four sixteen struck me, and I started doubting if Muhammad was the, a true prophet. Nowhere in the Quran showed us the way to paradise, recalled Charles. Eventually, he turned his life over to Christ and that's when everything with his adopted family exploded. Oh, goodness. When he told his father he had turned to Jesus, he was beaten mercilessly and his father dragged him to the bathroom to behead him, oh my god. Oh my god, no, I'm just, I'm sorry. This this breaks my heart. This is what families go through sometimes in, in different countries. And when they're raised in different households, this is real. This is what happens sometimes. And people don't realize what Christians go through, especially Christians ourselves who haven't actually gone through any of this, actually... I mean, we, we they go through this all the time and it, it breaks my heart to actually hear that I know that this man is not Charles's actual father but it is a father who raised him up to be a man and it's crazy at the fact that he would want to behead the son that he raised just because he decided to follow Jesus and... Uh, that it's it's such an extreme uh, action to take um, especially when it comes to you know making your own choices uh, and it, it it happens every day it happens every day we just don't hear about it and sometimes we choose not to listen but here I mean this this is what the platform is all about to show the reality of what goes on in christian's lives in in different parts of the world and i don't know why i mean i i really want to cry for him i really do i've never been this emotional before it's just who what father would want to kill their own child i mean i i know that like i said he's an adopted child i don't know how he was treated beforehand I don't know if he had a good childhood while he was adopted, but I feel a father should be able to raise him, should be able to raise their son or daughter up to be a good man or woman, and it it shouldn't matter what religion they are as long as they're good people. I, I mean, I feel like, do I believe that everybody should give God a chance, absolutely. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, Christianity doesn't matter. I, I am saying that as far as being a father goes, this is not what a father supposed to be. Whether you're Muslim, Christian, anything, this is not what a father is supposed to be. And. Uh, I, I I just don't like that. It hurts. <laughs> it literally hurts for me to read that. That y- you would want to kill your own child, whether he's adopted or blood, just because he chose Jesus. The reason, the only reason it didn't happen, was because his mother screamed at his father not to kill him. Well. Thank you, Mom, <laughs> as it was illegal in Kenya, and he would be jailed for life. Wow. Wow. Um, he was eventually able to escape, but a year later, his father reached out to him to reconcile. However, his father was actually planning to take on taking him to the Middle East, where he could kill him. Again. What? I... I'm not going to stereotype all Muslims as this. I have met incredible, beautiful people who are Muslim. And I will not say that all Muslims are like this. Absolutely not. There's one thing that a lot of Christians should learn about Muslims, is that they pray a whole lot more than we do to their God, and yeah, um, I mean, I, I've met some really beautiful you know, Muslims, and I would call this Muslim extremist, what this father is doing. Because it's so extreme to to go out of your way to kill someone that you fathered up. Like I said, I mean, at this point, I feel like if you are a good father, you wouldn't want to kill your own son. Um... Especially if he's blood, especially if he's adopted, it doesn't even matter that he's adopted, it just matters what the father is doing, he's trying to kill his son, and it's not okay in any way, shape, or form, in any type of religion. I, I, I don't understand how a father can think that this is right. In his own mind that in order to make everything okay is is to kill your son I I don't know that that's just evil that's evil that that just makes him not a father I just like mm -mm. Um, by God's grace Charles brother told him of his father's plan while he was on his way to the airport after that Charles didn't speak with his family for two years I wouldn't speak to my family for the rest of my life goodness gracious during this time Charles had been praying uh, for his father's heart to be softened by the Word of God he agreed to meet his father uh, one more time he called to let his father know That he had forgiven him and that he agreed to see each other at a cafe. I wouldn't have gone alone with him, honestly. But anyway, just after a few sips of his coffee, Charles' stomach began to ache. He was poisoned. Um, and and a sinking feeling overtook him. He realized that he had been poisoned. Uh, he rushed to the restroom and began to vomit violently. Soon after, he passed out, um... And a good Samaritan brought him to the hospital after healing from my father's poison I uh, purposed to or I proposed to never meet him um, or any other family member including my two blood brothers. I started volunteering at a word of life ministries which gave me a sense of hope and a future Charles said, I see." helped Charles relocate after yet another assassination attempt from his father. After narrowly escaping death numerous times, Charles is now working full-time as an evangelist to Muslims in one of Kenya's most fundamentalist neighborhoods. That's a beautiful story, honestly. Um, it. This is one of the reasons why um, I believe that um, family it, it doesn't always mean everything. I I hear that um, I hear that saying all the time that oh, family is everything and you're nothing without your family. But the thing is, is that you can't say that with a dysfunctional family. You can't say that with a family that is emotionally and physically abusive, or even murderous in this case. Um, I feel like that's one of the reasons why um, we gravitate to people who appreciate us and love us uh, unconditionally, despite where we're at in our life. you know, those friends that just are tied to your soul and is so good for you and has a good purpose uh, for you and for your life and in your life, and that's what we call tribes. Um, I like to say, blood may fail, but the tribe will always prevail. Meaning, if your family, if your bloodline has failed you in any way... Uh, shape or form, whether it's traumatized you, hurt you, physically abused you, anything like that, there's always a way of God making up a new family that may not even be related to you, but acts like a family and supports you and raises you up. And um, that's what a lot of people need to realize is that just because people say that family is everything, it doesn't always apply to everybody. And though I know it probably broke Charles's heart to leave his family, but I do know that he is learning that God is replacing his old family with a new one. And he is going to grow and blossom from this and goodness uh prayers to you charles honestly i i admire you a lot and your endurance you're doing so well in god's kingdom and god bless you seriously i'm emotional just by reading that and oh my goodness (laughs) god bless you radio, will be right back after this break. Okay, this one's actually from Canada, and Canada's one of my top listeners. And, um, I never actually expected, um, Canada to, uh, go under a little persecution. Um, I would say it's harassment, because that's what it says, but, I mean, persecution comes in all degrees and all shapes and forms. So, um, we're gonna read this in a minute. Uh, I, like I said, I just never expected Canada to go through something like this, or people from Canada go th- to go through like this, through something like this, sorry. But uh, I, I, cause I always feel like Europe and the, like America and um, certain places in Canada and all that stuff, they're very domesticated and they're more tolerant to religion. But um, you know, things... What's wrong with me? I'm too tired to even talk. (laughs) Anyway, let's just get into it. Sorry. Uh, China harasses Canadian Catholics from Hong Kong. So, this happened last year in 2020, um, on October 30th, on Halloween. Interesting. Uh, Beijing has extended its surveillance and harassment to anyone residing in... In other countries who is considered anti-China uh, in a webinar uh, held yesterday a Canadian priest originally from Hong Kong shared how the Chinese government mobilized protesters to harass his church um, in the October 26 webinar titled Mao vs. God State control of churches in China under Z, uh, held by. Cardis Religion Religious Freedom Institute. Father Richard, Su, told the uh, audience that the Chinese authorities are interfering uh, religious activities in Canada as uh, they have organized groups to. Of people to surround his church and sent people to take picture of his parishioners during Mass. Father Su is an immigrant from Hong Kong to Canada who has been vocal in supporting democracy and freedom after Hong Kong's umbrella movement uh, took place in 2014. Uh, Last summer, this church, or his church, often held uh, ecumenical prayer, I'm pretty sure I botched that word, Uh, prayer meetings for Hong Kong people. To his surprise, one Sunday in August, his church's parking lot was packed with people who were waving the Chinese national flags looking for them. Um, he believes that they were mobilized by the Chinese constitute, or consulate, uh, in Vancouver. The sight frightened nearby neighbors, so the police was called in to safely escort Father Su to his parishioners out from the church. Um... The following Saturday, a stranger visited his church and took a picture of everyone's faces. To him, it is something that he did not expect to see in Canada. Suddenly, when you are surrounded by people who are threatening you, it becomes very unsafe. When your parish, uh on a Sunday morning uh, liturgy, uh, liturgy? someone infiltrates and starts taking pictures of everybody you feel very unsafe he said you think that I'm or you think what am I gonna do are they going to vandalize the church are they going to do something worse are they going to threaten the parishioners are they going to spread false rumors about me he added he or while these measures have been taken uh, by the Chinese government is not unfamiliar to people of faith in China. It is alarming that Beijing is now exporting, uh, its surveillance overseas to immediate the Chinese diaspora. I don't know what that is. Um, especially, uh, those who disagree with Beijing's policies. So, why is the Canadian government actually letting this happen, though? That's the problem. I feel like a lot of countries are allies with China at this moment. And I don't like that uh, China is a big ally just because it's a very rich country, and it has a lot of business there that a lot of countries kind of want to get a piece of, China's throwing money everywhere, and I guess it kind of grants them freedoms like this in order to threaten people who were once citizens of Hong Kong or any part of China that is uh, persecuting its own people. I don't like that. I feel like right now, China in general, just the government is just being a big bully to the people who refuse to be, uh, who refuse to go along with whatever dictatorship uh, rule that constitutes that you can't be a Christian there. And I don't, like I said before in my podcast, I don't, I'm not for any co- uh, country, I'm not for any government who kills its own people, who kills its own country. Uh, so I feel like China needs to back off from the pastor because he's no longer a citizen in in China, as far as I know, and, um, you can't just, like, go into another person's home, or you can't just go into another person's country that they live in and try to threaten them. That's not okay. I mean, what in the world are you gonna do? But, anyway, um, that's, uh, the Canadian... Uh, side of the news with persecution that that, that It just sits strange with me like what's the Canadian government doing? Why is why are they letting the Chinese government harass this man just because he's Christian? This is stupid like I I don't I don't know what's going on <laughs> Um, Anyway all the love and all support from for Pastor Sue, uh, who who's going through this right now. I really hope you're doing well, and God bless you. Keep enduring. God will most definitely reward you for what you're going through. Doesn't he always? Okay, All y'all Biden supporters are gonna get mad at me, but I don't really care. So, uh, I, for the heck of it, for the fun of it, honestly, decided to look up persecution news, uh, in the United States. And, uh, here is what I had, uh, to look forward to reading. So here we are. All right, it says... Fight for international religious freedom likely to continue under President Biden. This is July... Or not July, goodness gracious. January 12th, 2021. For the United States. The ICC, International Christian Concern. As the United States moves up or moves from the Trump presidency to the Biden administration... Speculation circulates among various stakeholders about what the Biden team will set as priorities for the nation. While several domestic and international policy positions will see dramatic change, several policy experts believe that the Biden team will continue to build on the international religious freedom legacy, uh, of the Trump administration Gail Machen, uh who serves as the chair of the US Commission and in International Religious Freedom US CIRF okay um, shared in an interview with Christian Post that she believes Biden will be just as strong as Trump on religious freedom Uh, issues going forward. I don't believe it. Let's just keep listening. The commission uh, serves as a watchdog organization on international religious freedom conditions around the world and advises the executive branch and Congress on matters pertaining to persecution and religious freedom internationally. Chair Mackin. Or Matchin uh, is the wife of Senator Joe Matchin of West Virginia and former First Lady of the state. USCIRF is a bipartisan comm- commission established by the United States Congress and often models the bipartisan side of American politics others have speculated that biden administration will shift from the trump administration's approach some voices have been called for uscirf as the office of international religious freedom at the department of state to be ended or that or at the very least diminished in their roles they have argued that the movement as a whole is not accomplished has not accomplished anything meaningful since the international religious freedom act of 1998 which founded both uscirf and the department the state department offices Um, in reality these claims are baseless and ignore um, countries like sudan and many others which uh, have made major changes in their domestic religious freedom space to move their governments away from oppressive policy to greater individual freedoms in religious uh, disposition. Uh, the Trump administration pioneered the annual <sighs> ministerial uh, to advance religious freedom as well as. International Religious Freedom Alliance. The administration also worked very closely with civil society on a weekly basis through the International Religious Freedom Roundtable. Um, While Biden administration will make some changes, it is likely that the work of Trump administration will serve as the grounding for further uh, advancements in religious freedom around the world. Uh, Let me just say that again, okay? Because I don't think all of y'all Biden supporters heard what that last line said, okay? It is likely that the work of Trump, the Trump administration, will serve as the grounding for further advancements in religious freedom around the world. Listen. Listen. I could sit here and find sound clips of Joe Biden saying the nastiest things about Christianity. But honestly, I'm at the point where if it's Trump, Biden, or even, I don't know, Oprah, God, no, I hope not Oprah. Why did I say that? That's so stupid. No, not Oprah. I don't care who is in office. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't care who is in office at the moment. If they serve God and that they are giving people the freedom that they deserve with their religion, then that's cool. Because I will not stop whether or not it is, it becomes illegal to speak out against homosexuality and all that stuff. We already see that happening in California. As long as I get to speak and speak about God and speak about the news of what's going on, I don't care. I already have talked about it so many times about the intentions of what I believe that Joe Biden is preparing himself for for office and I honestly don't think it's just him that has plans of evil doing I know that sounds like, like he's a villain but I don't feel like Biden has any intention, any good intention to help the American people. Any man who says hey, I like it when kids rub my hairy legs and jump on my lap. You honestly don't think that that's not weird? Listen. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. That's just not okay to me. I just want a man of god in the oval office and we got Trump and yes i believe he's a man of god and as far as the inauguration we don't know what's going to happen yet we we don't we don't know what's going to happen but joe biden is saying that he he's going to make some changes to religious freedom what kind of changes are those honestly don't make any changes let our religion be our religion let us believe what we want to believe i like to read an article and look really look at what is being said they said joe biden may make some changes okay what are those changes? Okay, maybe the foundation that Trump has made, which I'm really hoping that it is strong enough to where Joe Biden won't be able to change too much. But we are in 2021. And to be honest, I feel like 2021 is this wildcat cat. Prowling in tall grass preying on us waiting for us to be at our weak point. And then they will... Then this year will basically rear its ugly head. I-, I feel like it's that silent but deadly sort of um, year. And I don't think... I don't know. Um, I I do want to have hope for this year. I definitely do. But I also know that 2020 left a pretty big dent in us that damaged the whole world. And it will take a miracle to fill that dent and fill that hole because people have died whether from COVID-19 and or riots it it's not okay um and I don't want a man like Joe Biden to be sitting in an Oval Office I oh god I, I can't see a future <laughs> with Joe Biden, I just can't I, I can't but um Whoever ends up being in the office, I know God has us. But I will not stop talking. I will not stop talking about what Christians go through on a daily basis. I will not stop talking about that. (sighs) This has been Persecution Press. I'm going to go to bed. Thank you for listening. Love you guys.